Welcome to Beth and Jordan Rewatch. I'm Jordan, and I'm a nerd. And I'm Beth, and I'm also a nerd. For our show, we will rewatch TV shows and movies that Beth and I have enjoyed and try to look at them with a fresh perspective. For this season, we will be rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender for the third time for me and for the three millionth time for Jordan. Today, we will conclude our recap of Avatar The Last Airbender with season three, episodes 20 and 21. And so today we begin our last episode, last episode, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the last recording of Avatar, The Last Airbender. We've done it, Beth. We're, we're here. We I, completed something. <laughs> we did it. As adults, we completed a project, a long-term project. We started back in May, I think. Oh, jeez, you're right. Holy yeah. cow. And now here we are, right at the end of, of 2020. Um you know, we've we've gone through honestly the worst of 2020, and and here we are. We're almost done with with Avatar: The Last Airbender. We've we've watched all the episodes, and we're ready to talk about these last ah uh, these last two. Just holy cow! Just I know episodes. <laughs> They're so good. Yeah. Um, as usual, we start uh, with talking about uh, what happened in the past episode. So it's time to recap. Um, in one minute apiece, what happened in the previous episodes. And so I have volunteered to go first for season three, episode 20, Into the Inferno. Um, Beth, do you have your eye on the clock? I do. All right. Let me know when you're ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. As we start off, Azula is going freaky paranoid, and she has become the Oprah of banishment. <laughs> uh, she She's saying, you get banished, and you get banished, as her mental decline continues to grow. Uh, meanwhile, Toph, the metal-bending badass, continues uh, to roll through and take down um, the airships. Aang shows up on time, and so he's able to confront the Fire Lord, while Sokka, Suki, and Toph are, take, are taking down airships. Uh, Meanwhile, it's time to take back bossing say, and so they're so they kind of initiate that, although we don't see a whole lot of it. Um, holy cow, firebending is is amazing um, under the comet. Uh, but probably the biggest thing that happens before all of those other things I talked about is that there's a big agnikai between Zuko um, and uh, Zula uh, right before she's about to be crowned fire Lord. Um, it looks like Zuko is basically going to win until Azula cheats, like the dirty cheater she is. Um, and as everything looked like it was going really well at the end, things are going very dark as uh, Zuko is zapped by lightning and the Fire Lord is beating the crap out of Aang. Six seconds over. Dang it. That's you were okay. close. You just editorialized a bit. <laughs> Dang it. I, I, was, I was waltzing in my victory thinking I had it. <laughs> like a player who drops a football right before they go into the end zone. Oh, no, did that happen in the Nebraska game? No, 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 that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. No, no, don't worry. They won. Uh, What? I didn't pay attention. Anyways. Um, No, that's just, you know, just a comp. Me just trying trying to do a common expression, a common sports ball expression. Um, Anyway. All right. Beth, I guess you have the chance to to redeem the honor. Um, (laughs) You have right. episode 21, Avatar Aang. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, three, two, one, go. 
All right, in no particular order, the White Lotus takes over Ba Sing Se. Uh, Zuko gets hit by lightning guitar, tries to heal him, and Azula attacks her instead. So she fights her using waterbending and eventually does manage to capture her and heal Zuko up, and he is okay. Sokka, Suki, and Toph continue to take down the airships. Um, there's a couple of harrowing experiences here and there, but they manage to do it all right. Aang uh, gets hit with the best chiropractic rock in the world and goes into the avatar state and has Oza in his clutches multiple times, but just doesn't want to kill him. So he instead uses magic energy bending and takes his bending away. Um, the, everybody kind of regroups at the end. Zuko becomes fire Lord. Uh, Katara and Sokka reunite with their father. Um, Aang and Zuko are friends and they have a really cute hug. And then at the end, everybody's in a tea shop hanging out. Aang and Katara kiss and everybody is happy. The end. Ooh, okay. Got it. Got it. Just, just on the edge. Which yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going too long. I'm saying too much. There's just so much going on. I was, I was getting anxious. I was like, cause I, I, you know, you almost forget there's the epilogue portion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just like, oh, she's got this. And then you started in the epilogue. And I was like, oh crap. She's got, she's running out of time. Um, <laughs> So no, you got it. Um, so we've done it. We've recapped. We have now recapped all, however many episodes of Avatar: The Last Airbender. They were an amazing accomplishment. So now, Beth, we begin our analysis. We get to break down. The last two episodes, Into the Inferno, Avatar Aang, uh, it's all over. The Fire Lord and the Avatar have gone face to face. And the and the great battle that Avatar Roku said needed to happen has happened. How are we feeling at the end of it all? Oh my god. <laughs> I like I like we were like I was saying the right before we started recording, like I forgot just how good these episodes are. Like there's just they end so well. There's so much just joy and like great moments throughout the show, the culmination of all of our characters, like experiences and stuff. Like I am like I finished watching this probably twenty minutes before we started recording and I'm on a high right now. <laughs> no, it's really good and I like I, I love how, like, they kind of uh, pull out all the stops. Like, you know, first of all, the, like, when the fire, like, we get to see how overpowered firebenders are, like, under the comet, because holy cow, those fireballs they're launching are just massive. Mm-hmm. Um, although, that being said, the common firebender is ter- terribly ineffective in using all that power, apparently, but whatever. <laughs> the big guys had to win. Um like the battle of bossing say is particularly enjoyable. Yes. Oh my god, watching all of these old masters who are like excellent. Like we've se- we've seen a bunch of trainees basically for the most part, right? Like right. Katara has studied a bit. Zuko wasn't a great firebender. Azula's pretty good. A is good at like a couple of things. Toph is good at like seeing these people who've trained their whole lives in bending just like go into town to the best of their ability. Like, oh, it's such a delight. Oh my gosh! And it's so, and and it's never in doubt how this outcome's gonna go. Like you just see, like first of all, seeing Zhang Zhang just go up, like like the guy who thinks firebending is evil to begin with, like just kind of go all. I'm gonna fly on my rocket ship firebending. Um, I'm gonna also I'm gonna do waves of fire to knock out all the other fire. Like he went, he kind of goes all god mode. Mm-hmm. 
And then on top of the fact that you have, uh, you know, you have Paku and Boomy's just there having a good old time as Boomy always is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it is. It's so, it's so enjoyable. And it's, it's kind of, it's so fun, like you said, to see such polished, accomplished masters just, just playing with their, just, you know, just toying with, the, <laughs> toying with the enemy. Mm-hmm. God. And then are we, are we going to go like, I guess, chunk by chunk. So we're talking about like the conquering of bossing say across both episodes right now. I almost feel like we have to, I like, agree. You know, kind of like what we did in the previous one. We kind of have to go, go uh, globe trotting across the avatar world. And that's the only way this is going to make any sort of sense. Gotcha. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't jumping ahead. The moment when Iroh burns down the fire nation flag and the earth kingdom symbol comes through like, Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, it is so it is so richly satisfying, and it's almost like he's burning away all the all the awfulness of season two. It's the sins of his fathers, right? Too <laughs> like right, it is. He's atoning for the sin of his family line, and it's just beautiful, right? Yeah, all the betrayal, all the you know, because see, I, and I, I guess I get more fixated on like everything that happened in season two more. Mm-hmm. Like season two was hope, and then and then ha, how dare you hope? Mm-hmm. Um, just over and over again. And we were all just suckers for that pain. Um, which incidentally is also a reflection on, on my Nebraska football fandom. But anyway, <laughs> um, but we were all just suckers for that pain. Um, and so then to see, you know, then to see at the end, you know, when the Fire Nation took bossing, say like that was kind of like the, the ultimate, like you thought. We'd that, lost at that point. Like right, there's no hope lost. left. And you thought back at the end of, I mean, thinking back at the season finale of season two, you know, you thought you had defeated the Dai Li, you know, you thought you had defeated Azula and Long Fang. And then, you know, we got smacked in the face with the Fire Nation taking over. And exactly like you said, like the war basically being lost. And this is just complete 180. Uh, This is all of that is now undone. Zuko has made good choices. Uh, (laughs) Iroh is here, the conquering hero. Um, but for the Earth Kingdom, um, I agree. It, it is. I'm glad you brought that up because that is such an, a powerful moment. Um, and whether it's because it's the sins of his father or because of, for us, erasing the memories of season two. <laughs> uh, it's both uh, great yeah. things in their own right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, and then I think... Unless there's anything else you want to talk about in the Siege of Bossing, say, um, I think for me, if you're going to focus on the into, like if we're going to go in somewhat of chronological order, I think we would be remiss to not just go ahead and highlight Zuko. And, well, maybe Azula a little bit first and her mental breakdown. Uh, yes, we're going to talk about the final Agni Kai now. <laughs> yes. Get ready. I'm going to like, this is my, this is my personal favorite part of the entire series. So... <laughs> I would say this is my personal favorite part of the four part. Like, I think I have other things that I love more, but of the four part season series finale, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But we have to, I mean, we have to preface it with Azula's. Yes. Interesting mental breakdown. Um, You know, and we had hinted to, you know, in the previous episode that there, that we were, there were hints of this. This is not entirely out of left field. Um, But I think what is so shocking is the amount of, of her unraveling because mm-hmm. this because the episode begins with her getting pre- it's her coronation day you know she's getting prepared to basically have all her dreams come true 
and she, you know, almost, you know, ex- almost accidentally like chokes on a cherry pit. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, an innocent mistake. And she sees it as a betrayal. Exactly. Because she's seeing betrayal everywhere now. Yes. And, and literally everywhere. Like, you know, I joked about how she became the Oprah of banishment, but like, <laughs> you get a banishment, and you get a banishment, and you get a banishment. Everybody gets a banishment. Um, but just, I think what you said is exactly right. There's nowhere she looks where she doesn't see betrayal. Um, and she reveals, you know, as she's talking about getting rid of, um, oh, shoot, what are their names? Lo and Lee. Lo and, thank you. Yes, Lo yeah. and Lee. You know, she tips her hand and reveals that it's because of May and Tylee's betrayal. Mm-hmm. Which we just... kind of, like, knew going into this. Like, she she'd already, like... Like, like, I guess I mentioned previously, like, that was the ultimate thing for her because May and Ty Lee were some of the only people she really trusted. She thought she ruled them by fear, but she also trusted them to kind of be on her side. And now she's lost that and she has no one to turn to and no one to rely on. Even her own father betrayed her last episode. So right. she is completely on her own for probably the first time ever. Well, in this entire empire she's built... Um you know it's it's almost a, it's almost like a castle of glass or something like that like mm-hmm. everything everything she's built is on fear and up, up until you know may and tylee betray her probably nothing has shown her so far that that doesn't work um you know because think about how she got the Dai Li on her side it was through fear it was you know mm-hmm. you, you know she'll say divine right and all this nonsense but we know it's because she was able to inspire such fear and loyalty in them uh, that that's how she was able to overthrow the earth kingdom. Um, You think about, you know, those friendships that she, the friendships quote unquote that she's created are through fear. Um, How she inspires loyalty is through fear. And so when that stops working, suddenly the entire thing, which, which she thought was a solid foundation is now exposed to be um, to be extremely fragile. And at the culmination of all of this, the only she hallucinates the only person who loved her without fearing her, right? Mm-hmm. Like her mom, who loved her unconditionally and probably is the only person, maybe besides Zuko, if you argue that, to do so. But like the only person who was like, I I don't fear you, I love you. Like I like didn't think you were a monster kind of a thing. And, and that's what kind of tips Azula over the edge. And it's so heartbreaking. Right. 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 And it is, you know, she had briefly mentioned on Ember Island, the fact that, you know, her, like her relationship with her mother did have an impact on her, but she laughed it off as nothing. Um, and now we see that it, it wasn't nothing, um, which is kind of shocking. Um, again, because we think of Azula as so in control of herself. Um, well, she gives a great impression of that, but it's like we're seeing the cracks in the facade now. Right. And so, and so it's just so interesting to see her, to see her just so unravel like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like it, and it works. Um, I, I know I told to you, told you one time uh, a few weeks ago when we were off, off the mic was um, if there's, if there's anything I don't like about it, and I do like it for the most part, it's just that when she meets Zuko, it slightly diminishes, you know, any potential victory Zuko could have. 
um, it's kind of like instead of taking down, like to use another sports ball analogy, um, instead of taking down the national champion at their best, it's like their star quarterback got injured. Mm-hmm. And so you're beating them on their backup, which like is still nice. You like winning, but there's something lost in that. Um, but at the same time, like even completely unhinged, we see Azula using firebending techniques like that are out of this world. Like Zuko doesn't, it's it's not like Zuko has her on the back foot from the start. They're still well matched. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a complete thrashing. And in fact, you could even say that at one point, Azula basically wins in spite of the fact that she's unhinged, right? Because maybe Zuko's pride gets in the way or maybe like, the part where the part where she chooses to shoot lightning at Katara is interesting in and of itself because not only does she exploit her brother's weakness, but she shows how dishonorable she really is, right? Where honor has been Zuko's thing, and you could say that Zuko has been like honorable and just and sort of lawful no matter what he does, whereas Azula kind of slips more onto that chaotic spectrum, right? Which I think you, is cool. Good, good D and D references there. You know, uh, I tried. <laughs> But and I and I would push back on the idea that she won just because, because of that dishonorable move. Like, I don't know. I, I, In I, a I true Agnikai, she probably would have been disqualified because it's right. supposed to be a one-on-one duel, and she attacked a spectator. But right, and and so and I push back on that because what you see, like, so what I love about this battle, you know, multiple things. One is the entire coloring of it. Like, it, it's it's so nice. To see Azula's blue fire and Zuko's yellow fire, that color scheme, which, as I think reflect on it now, actually is very prevalent in the Avatar universe. Just the contrast of like orange and blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of awesome to see this, which was just kind of intended to show that Azula's flames are hotter and she's better. Um, but to see it now contrasts so well, um, and to see the pure destructiveness how powerful they both are to see the city go in flames. Um, and, and there's so much you can unpack there, you know, one, the sheer destructiveness of this conflict and how it destroys the family and the Imperial city um, and the symbolism there. Um, God, there it was, oh, sorry. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going through my mind of like, you know, as I'm watching this, how many, you know, how many metaphors or, or like symbolic moments do I see, you know, unfold in this whole thing? Mm-hmm. it's just such a beautiful scene like you were saying like even i i really love the choice of music for it too because it's not like something with a heavy beat that's really driven it's not like battle music it's sweeping and sad and grand and it's like it gives a gravitas to it but it also kind of serves to highlight sort of the sadness a brother and a sister pitted against each other in a fight to the death like this isn't a glorious moment it's a sad one Yes, I, I agree with that completely. And and I guess what I love then is at the end, and so I, I guess why I push back so hard on Azula winning is because what you see before she cheats and decides to throw some lightning at Katara is Zuko is obviously winning. Because mm-hmm. like he got a hit in. Like right before that, he gets a hit in on her, which we hadn't seen her get hit like ever. Right, like very rare moments does that happen. Only when she's been up against Katara, incidentally. Um, back in the, back in bossing say, um, has she ever been potentially vulnerable? Um, but we see, and we see Zuko calm, like Mm -hmm. every, everything he's doing, he, he is not moved. Like 
like and her and her attacks are ferocious she is trying her best throwing everything she has at him and he is remaining calm under pressure you know being skillful and masterful like um you know i I think about where like after she's just kind of thrown all this stuff at him and she's kind of off balance then like and and all he's kind of been doing is parrying and deflecting um but the moment she's kind of thrown herself off balance then he kind of does his weird little spin move but mm-hmm. you know, but like throws then throws something at her because she, he know he's been patient and knows her weakness. Like, it's just such a change for Zuko. The impatient, um, the you know, just very I don't know. Impatience probably the only operative word I'm going for there. But mm-hmm. just such a change, and he is obviously winning until she decides to play dirty, um, and th- and that's satisfying in and of itself. Yeah. He, like, forced her to resort to underhanded tactics. She couldn't win outright. Um, and I stole I stole this from Tumblr. But another kind of interesting thing is we see Zuko using moves that we haven't seen firebenders use. He's using, like, earthbending, airbending, and waterbending techniques <laughs> during his mm-hmm. fight. Which is probably also part of the reason she's on the back foot. Sure, she's not on her game, but she's fighting against a firebender using a style she's never seen before. Which is... Right. Again, kind of one of the beautiful themes of the show in and of itself, right? Like right. wisdom drawn from multiple places and all of that. Right. No, I think that's a very good point. Uh, yeah. And so, and so, yeah. And so I guess, do we want to finish out talking about how- We might as, we might as well, honestly. All right. So we won't do as the episode did and, you know, break away after Zuko, you know, Bravely. Takes the hit for Katara. Takes the hit for Katara, you Zutara people out there. Ah! <laughs> it's out, it's out of love and affection, although probably more friendly love. Friend, friendly friendship and and uh, respect. You know, he he went from hunting this girl across the world, calling her a peasant, to giving his life for her. Right. Basically. Right. So. Oh, Zuko. I'll, I'll tell you what, that hurt me to see, like, to see that all unfold. Because you, I mean, as surely as Zuko sees it all happening, you know, we all see it all, all about to happen. And you're just like, no, Zuko. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Oh. It, it's so, it's just like, it's so unfair. Like, he beat her. Like, why can't he have the victory? Um, but, you know, it's just, it's just how it's, how the writers, cho- and it's, and it's a good, cho- like, I'm very okay with the choice. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just hurts not to see our, our boy Zuko get that victory over his sister. Um, Same time, it's kind of even more of a, a dishonorable loss for Azula because she lost to a water tribe peasant. <laughs> so a water tribe peasant during the comet. When she sh- when Azula would be at her strongest. Exactly. Um, and credit Katara for always being, you know, Katara of all people, Katara is... The only one so far who has shown an ability to defeat Azula twice mm-hmm. now. We've seen this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we see her just be clever and ingenious using, you know, using her surroundings well. Uh, ah, that's so her and Sokka have some good instincts there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> Sokka's like, instincts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, just, and, and, it, and it is so satisfying to see. I don't know. I, I I like the whole freeze scene. I guess I, oh, I love God, it. It's so good because it's again just Katara completely in control of the situation, like Azula out of control, um, and then oh. as she's chained up, defeated, her unraveling is complete. It's so heartbreaking. 
yeah it, like it is and it isn't at the same time like i like i agree with you like it, to see her just just whine and and roar and all this stuff like almost like a child i mean is... she is though right she's like 14 or something right yeah i guess you kind of forget that yeah. um but to see all that um I don't know. It's it's so it's so interesting. Like to see her utter defeat is on the one hand, like you know, it's understandable. It's a person who has lost everything, and mm-hmm. and and one thing I I'm, I want to bring this up now because I had meant to bring it up earlier. Um, she purposefully did not get crowned Fire Lord first. Mm-hmm. She was about to get crowned Fire Lord, which would literally be her crowning achievement, but instead, she said no. Let's fight. And so literally an instant away from getting everything she wanted, she took on this fight and now we'll never get it. Mm-hmm. To have come so close. Yeah. And she literally has everything taken away from her. And so that's the sympathetic aspect. But on the other hand, Gal is crazy. She is. She's a, She's a child who was molded into a weapon of war and then lost everything that she ever had that made her, that she thought would earn her respect and power and love. And she's left with nothing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I think this is maybe a good time to just insert a little break in here. Not that we have advertisements or anything because we, you know, we don't do that. But (laughs) maybe just a little, like, a little 10 second break um, and then we'll come back and talk about Meanwhile, in the Earth Kingdom. So coming back from the break now, um, it's time to talk about, uh, it's time to talk about Sokka, Suki, and Toph, because of course we need to talk about Aang last. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I don't know if there's a, a ton to talk about there. I mean, there's a few things I know I want to, but I don't think this will be as long as talking about the Agni Kai. Um, less emotional beats. Well, no, that's not entirely true either because Sokka is so like, he's protective of Toph, right? But then he right. lets Suki do her own thing, which is such a character growth for him. For sure. Well, and it, and it is interesting. You know, one thing I'll point out is as an audience, like, holy cow, do we keep under... I mean, maybe you didn't have this feeling when you first watched it, but I know the first time I watched it, like, I know I forgot about Suki. Like, when she's off on the, you know, off on her own on the other uh, war balloon, I kind of just forgot about her, uh, which was not on purpose. I just kind of did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, and then when I saw her come back to save, you know, Toph and Sokka's bacon, I was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, crap. I'm really underestimating this character, which is, like... Which is not just a me issue. I feel like that's a like also part of this whole thing is like everybody underestimates Suki. Mm-hmm. And she's such a badass. Like she deserves as much respect as any of them do. Right. So good choice, Sokka. Back a few episodes ago when Suki was about <laughs> to go off with the tertiary characters and you whisked her out of there. Uh-huh. Good choice. Good choice. I mean, I'm sure you had selfish reasons, but still good choice. Yeah. But it's so great to be able to see Sokka's, like, full ingenuity sort of on display. Like, we'll use these to take out the other the other airships. We'll dump all the crew so we have full control. Like, things like that. For sure. Well, and to also see, like, 
I mean, we had to be brought to a point. It's a series finale. We have to be brought to a point where things could, where we could lose. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, it's sad. Like goodbye, boomerang. Goodbye, meteor space sword. sword. Yeah, space sword. Yeah, like very sad. Like there's a possibility that they might lose, which we had to be brought to that point. It's a series finale. Like it, it would be almost inappropriate to not be brought to that point. And we really uh-huh. do. Like in the minute before Suki comes and rescues them, like Toph and Sokka are going to die. Like they are surrounded by firebenders. Toph is barely hanging on to Sokka. She can't see anything because she's suspended in the air. She doesn't know how far away from the ground they are. Like all hope is lost. Right. And so, and so, yeah, it's kind of, it's just, it's a, it's a nice, you know, it's an interesting set of scenes. We just talked about how low it gets, but in all reality, like this is probably the comic relief. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. This is the comic relief. (laughs) Right. It's the comic relief of a very serious set of episodes. Um, But if you think about it, like, there are still just random comments like, you know, you know, how happy they are that Toph learned how to metal bend because now she's just OP. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, how when... This Aang is the show- captain speaking. <laughs> yeah, this is your captain speaking. We have a special birthday to celebrate. Like, <laughs> just like all this stuff, like the airship slice. Um, I don't know. Even Even when it's all said and done, like, where do the silly lines come from? But from Toph, Suki, and Sokka. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, in a very odd way, the source of our comic relief. Which uh, I guess they're the least impactful of the fights that are going on, which is crazy considering they're taking down a fleet of airships that are burning it up an entire country, but you know. Right. Details, Beth. Details. But compared to, like, a fight for the crown of the Fire Nation, a force struggle between the forces of good and evil with the Fire Lord versus the Avatar and, like, and the, the retaking of Bossing Say, like, I guess. The largest city in the world. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's it's significant. But, you know, you're only fourth place today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And it's, and I will say, you know, in the brief moment before they start, um, you know, up launching their plan to take out on the airships you know you do get the sense just with all that firepower like how truthfully terrifying and destructive it would have been had had the fire lord's plan gone through Mm -hmm. because that is just oof like that is just death and destruction everywhere Mm -hmm. um and it's also interesting that it also never really took off um just because of ang's intervention and sokka and and toph and suki's intervention the whole plan never really took off anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you can still see what could have happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else, what else do you want to talk about from that before we get to before we get to Aang's fight? I think I'm good moving on to Aang versus the Fire Lord. Aang versus the Fire Lord, which is a which is a lovely which is a lovely set. First of all, the area they choose to fight in um, is a very interesting geography to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, very one very advantage in earthbender there um but the fire lord has got the comet and he's also the fire lord mm-hmm. uh, so you know he is also just whipping out all his power um uh, and it's a very one-sided battle at the beginning like like ang's trying to hold his own but he's getting his butt kicked mm-hmm. and it just goes to show like ang has he's he's an airbending master and he's been learning water bending fire bending and earth bending especially fire bending for the past like couple of months <laughs> like, right. he's doing his best but he's being completely whipped by somebody who's at the strongest in their element when all he has is earth bending 
or not earthbending, excuse me, airbending that he's really that strong in. Right. And airbending, like airbending is somewhat useful against firebending, but it's just not like if you're going to defeat the fire Lord, you got to have all the elements on your side. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is cool. Like what's awesome about this battle is to see a fully realized avatar, like, you know, busting out all the moves, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, using the combination of air, water, earth and fire after he um, gets the back crack of the century to pop open his chakras yeah <laughs> this is still like for how cool it is to see all of the elements in play i will say of the battles this is the one i have the most issues with um the back crack of the century is part of it <laughs> like and i made the comment before how this whole like the avatar state concept is a great concept until season two. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's just, I don't know. I hate it after season Going two. sicko mode. <laughs> <laughs> the whole, like, I don't know. I guess I, I should say starting the end of season two, mm-hmm. like to this point, I hate it because it's this whole like, oh, it only works if you're able to like do all of these steps Oh, Aang didn't complete all these steps, so he can't do it. Oh, he completes all these steps, gets struck by lightning, but somehow survives. Oh, disconnected to the Avatar state, doesn't work anymore, conveniently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's oh, like, oh. like this whole, honestly, this whole show is like Dungeons and Dragons in a way, but it's like the DM realized he gave his character something, or his player something too powerful, and it's like, uh, um, well, we're taking it away for now, so you can't use it for reasons, and we'll come back to it when... <laughs> When it, when it works for the plot exactly um and it's and so i i will say it frustrates me i will say even even in, in legend of Korra, which i think is like it's good it's just not on the same level mm-hmm. as this is um i think that one has a more consistent avatar state than this does um which i think is a, is a serious diss um mm-hmm. so I don't know, that frustrates me that, like, yeah, the best chiropractic work that a random rock jutting out of a a cliff can give you somehow reconnects you to the Avatar state, which is... Call it what you will. Fate. Destiny. Deus Ex Rock. Deus Deus Ex Rock. Uh, But yes, once... Once Magic Rock makes Avatar state go go boom boom again... Then it's epic, and it's just so cool to see, like, like the dude is, the kid is literally moving mountains, like, mm-hmm. like he is just going ham, and it's awesome. And so there's a part of me that just, like, is really whiny and complaining, and then the other part of me that's just like, whatever, I'm here for this, though. Mm-hmm. It is a good fight, and it is a fun fight. Um, and, it, and it all does culminate with... Aang choosing to spare the Fire Lord, not once, but like multiple times, which is so right. in character for him, even as we're like, just do it. <laughs> right. Well, the lightning is interesting, of course, at the uh-huh. beginning, because, of course, he redirects it away. And you see Ozai legitimately surprised yes. to see it um, get redirected in the first place. Uh, yeah. And to see Ozai on the run is also very, uh, very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see such an evil bad guy, such an overconfident bad guy, like actually running away is just like, haha, sucker. It is. Uh, so that part is good. Uh, and then we I get guess, to Deus Ex Lion Turtle. I was going to say, I, I think we just have to get there now. We just, we've been yep. beating around the bush. It's time to get to Deus Ex Lion Turtle, which. <laughs> Do I start with my complaints? Or Go do for I... it. 
then I'll okay. give my counterpoints and we'll eat it. All right. <laughs> All right. This is the rant I've been preparing for from day one, which, you know, I've not been too subtle about. Um, first of all, there is apparently an entire another conversation that the lion turtle had with Aang in the previous episodes that like we now suddenly learn is a thing. Also energy bending is suddenly now a thing. Like, I guess had you set us up for that, maybe I would not be so whiny and complaining about it. But literally, we do not learn about it until suddenly Aang is just like putting his fingers on the Fire Lord's face. And that, and I, and I really don't like that. Um, on top of that, then when we go into this energy bending thing, it's suddenly like you know, don't be corrupted, and I'm just like, and all this stuff, and I'm like, so like. Had the orange light drowned out the blue light, what would have happened? Had, like, Aang lost his stuff? Like, I... The whole light show made no sense to me. Um, and it's just... I think my biggest problem with it really is, is it is a deus ex machina thing. Like, to me, there's no way around it. There, it's, it's something that was created for a problem they created, and they didn't have a solution... So they invented something and then inserted it at the last second. Um, and it feels like what frustrates me about it is because we weren't warmed up to it, we like it's to me it's a less satisfying ending when he defeats the Fire Lord because half the time I'm just going like what? So I'm going the, the prosecution is going to rest and the defense <laughs> can may proceed. I'm just gonna, like, I agree with you on a lot of things. I really think it needed to be set up earlier. Maybe, like, during a trip to the spirit world, he learns about, like, this one mythical spirit that has, like, bending ceiling powers or something. I don't know. It needed to be set up better. That said, it is a clever solution, I think, and it allows Aang to defeat the Fire Lord without compromising himself, which I think is a really kind of valuable lesson. Um, sometimes, obviously, in real life, you won't, you'll run into things where it's like you can't there is no easy way out. There is no compromise. There is no third option. But I think it's kind of clever and interesting the way that they did it. I just think it needed to be set up better. Yeah. And I think that's the area where you and I, I, th I think, I think you and I would be in agreement, like on had it all been set up better, I think the entire controversy would, would not even be there. Mm -hmm. um, because even the whole, like, should I kill him or should I just take his, like, or should I find some other step? Like, well, if we know there's this other path, then like even someone like me who's like it's justified for you to kill him is like, okay, but this is a valid option. Yeah. Um, Which would have so, left out some of the useless conflict that we had. Right. Right, which with the conflict that got rendered useless. So, yeah. So, yeah, I th I think that's Yeah. Yeah. But, but that said, Aang defeats the Fire Lord. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Um, the whole mocking of him is very interesting because like it's he's the Fire Lord has almost become comical, which is not something I want the Fire Lord to become. No, but that's the way that Sokka deals with things. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So and so yeah, and so I I guess then we transition into epilogue. Yeah. Uh, which is just all sorts of you know, all sorts of things are happening. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like three, there's three main things we see unfold. You know, first of course we go to the fire, the Fire Nation Palace, Zuko's coronation day. Um, the hug between him and Aang. Yeah, yeah. Sweet life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the line before it's very. I mean, I get it. It's just kind of weird because like 
a year ago I was hunting you. Um, a year ago <laughs> I was in an iceberg. It's like, I get why you put that line in there. There's no way that line can't feel weird. Yeah. Um, but still, like, we see Zuko rise to the throne of the Fire Nation. He and Aang are friends. Like, it's an era of peace, and it's just so, like, satisfying. It is. And it's so good to see the different colors show up there. The green of the Earth Kingdom, the blue of the Water Tribe, the red of the Fire Nation. And the and slightly Aang... other green of the Swamp Benders, because there's, yeah. no, there's no airbenders left. Yeah. Well, well, I was going to say, and Yang, 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 Yin and Yang, Aang is decked out in his yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's the representation of the of the air nomads there. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to see that. Uh, I'm, you know, there's a part of me that's curious, and I know it's explored in comic books. I'm curious to know how this all would have played out within the Fire Nation. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, there would definitely be people who would have agreed with Ozai. Oh, for and sure. When, and when Zuko takes the throne, you know that that would have been... It'd be interesting to see, like, if they ever, if, you know, Netflix, instead of creating a new uh, live action remake of Avatar, why don't you explore that period? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the political post- drama, the hunt for Zuko's mom, like, I'll take all of it. Right. I think that would have just played out. So, and, and again, the comics do explore some of this, um, but I think that would just, that would just be such an interesting thing to explore. Like, my, my mind is just all abuzz with, like, how, how is this going to go? Mm-hmm. How does this not devolve into civil war? Um, mm-hmm. so yeah that's just where my mind goes um and, and you touched on it so i'm gonna mention it then uh, we get then that zuko then meet one fire lord to another um uh, finds his dad in prison and asks the interesting question what happened to or where is my mother and we don't get any answers and i want them so bad <laughs> i know and i'm guessing you've like again, this is explored in comics, and I'm guessing I, you, I know you, what happens in the comics, but I haven't read them. Gotcha. Well, and Sam, like I've I've ex- I've just explored the Avatar wiki enough to know what happened. <laughs> yes. Um, but it is, you know, but it is. It's a it's an interesting cliffhanger to leave us off on, and yeah. almost maybe a sign that maybe the writers knew that there could be, you know, leaving themselves open to future projects if they needed to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's an interesting cliffhanger to leave your leave yourself on on a series finale. Yes. But that said, then we have the reunion in the tea shop and it sort of makes us forget about that. And we just see everybody together and like right. hanging out and happy and wholesome. And I will say the tea shop is a good, a good thing to give us a sense of closure. Yeah. One, it's Iroh returning to his tea shop. The very thing he said. Um, like, that he was going to do. Exactly. And so, you know, we get closure of him doing what he said he was always going to do. Zuko taking off the Fire Lord garments to do his usual, like, or back to his working clothes, which is interesting. Um, you know, uh, I guess I guess May is there. I've kind of been purposely ignoring her, but I guess And May she is and there. Zuko, you reunite, and we're all sort of ambivalent about it. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> um, Aang and Katara, at long last, you know, have their kiss. It's Which, even though be- I don't ship them, I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> right. It is It is kind of almost where you're at. It's like, you know what? They've hinted at it, like, literally from episode one. Like, fine. Give it <laughs> this to is them. cute. I like the music in the background. It's a good yeah. way to end things. Right. And so they'll go on and live happily ever after. They can go have airbending and waterbending children. Like, fine. <laughs> 
So, but it is a good way to kind of put things on a bow. And then they very neatly put up in the air in both English and in Mandarin, the end. Um, and so, yeah. And so that, and so we wrap up, we wrap up our episode and our entire series. And I don't know. And I guess I know you and I are both, you know, we're both trying to be co- uh, conscientious of time here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there, and is there any final thoughts you want to throw on this before we get to our, um, our ratings? You know, I could go on forever about how much I love this series and how much I love this show, but we just spent months talking about it. So <laughs> I think I think I'm good. Yeah, I think the only thing I want to just say in there is it's, a, it's such a good series. And I think what was so good about it is it's a kid's show, but a kid's show with good moral lessons that still is fun. Um, and I think that's that's a tough combination to have good writing but also good moral lessons and good realistic moral lessons. And so mm-hmm. I think I think that's what I will always appreciate about this show and hope to show my children one day. So time now to conclude. Um, our recap on Avatar The Last Airbender by doing our ratings. These are on a five-point scale with decimals allowed. Uh, Beth, for, let's, I think let's keep them separate. Uh, Into the Inferno, what is your rating there? I've got to give this one a five. <laughs> like Everything about it is just so strong and good and delightful. And I just, ah, it's going to be hard for me to rate any of these below a five, to be perfectly honest. Okay. I will also go with Into the Inferno on a five, just because that Agni Kai, I think you described it all very well in the analysis, everything about that battle. Um, you know, maybe I feel like some things got a little nerfed and so you, you lose some of the payoff, but it all makes sense to me. And so, yeah, I, I would give that one a five as well. It's an amazing epic battle. Everything that's happening is just awesome. There's so much action. It's beautiful to me. And then lastly, Avatar Aang. What is your rating on that one? <sighs> Even though I do have gripes with the lion turtle and things like that, I still have to give this one a five. Like, it's such a strong finale, and it is so hard to end shows well, and it hits all of the right emotional beats, and I literally cheered out loud several times when I watched it for the first time, and even this last time. So I can't give this one anything less than a five. I can. (laughs) Uh, Not unexpected, but I'll give it a 4.6. Um I don't know. You can't you can't Deus Ex Machina on me, and let and I can and let and I can let that slide. I can't. I just can't let that slide. Uh, but I've also given it above a four point five, which like earlier we arbitrarily established means it's a good episode, um, and it is. It is a good episode. It has great closure. Um, this is the episode where Bossing say finally falls, um, or it falls, I guess, to the Earth Kingdom again. Um, I don't even. I don't mind the cliffhanger at the end. I like Iroh's tea shop at the end. You know. I'm, I I can't I can't let the I can't let the day six lion turtle thing go. I I try, but I can't. So, but that just means it drops to a four point six for me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beth and Jordan Rewatch, where we rewatch our favorite movies and shows and discuss what we love about them. You can find all of our episodes on anchor.fm slash BJ Rewatch or on Spotify at Beth and Jordan Rewatch.